after these messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about good ones. We talk about bad ones. And we talk about ones where people say weird shit like this. Mm, clear as an angel's giggle. <laughs> My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. And we, as always, are your hosts. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. All right, coming up today, I'm, I want to call the show Shut Up and Take My Money. How do you feel about that? Yeah. These are commercials that actually worked on people. Which people? You people. We posted on our Facebook page looking for examples of commercials that actually convinced you to buy a product that you might not have otherwise been interested in. So we'll uh, go through your answers to that question and, of course, our own answer to that question. Uh, also, fourth week in a row, we have... Commercials in the news. Uh, we finally get our first look today, or our first full look, I should say, at the uh, new most interesting man in the world. Dos, you know, Dosecki swapped out the old guy. They wanted to bring a bring in a younger guy so they could sell more beer to millennials. Now I haven't seen this, but I assume he's vaping. He is. <laughs> he's vaping and hacky sacking. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get Genevieve's first uh, eyeballs on that, and uh, we'll talk about whether or not we like it. I'm a little bit all over the place on that, I'll be honest with you, uh, as far as my opinion. Um, and, of course, the Ad Council. We're going to be checking in with uh, the emails you guys sent us, the voicemails you guys left us, and uh, other goings-on in the social media arena. Um, quickly, before we get into our, uh, into our first segment, though, Veeves, I wanted to do a quick shout-out. Just like today's show is kind of listener-driven with a bunch of comments from people um, regarding commercials that convince them to buy something. We have another show we want to do in a few weeks. This was your idea. It's kind of based on a couple of emails you've been getting recently. Are we calling it like commercial court or something like that? Yeah, let's call it that for now. Um, <laughs> until we come up until with we, something better. Yeah, I don't like to name them until uh, till the last second. But a couple of you have written in over the last weeks and months um, and said, hey, I saw this commercial. I don't know what to think of it. Can you weigh in? Or uh, you may have you may have had a seen a commercial that you and a loved one disagreed about, and you want us to weigh in on uh, and and uh, adjudicate. So um, we would love to get some more of those, and we will we will gladly uh, you know ham, uh, bring bring a gavel down uh, either way on a commercial, whether it's a now, are we deserving some, of a G some trademark or a G. Oh, is is John Hodgman going to sue us? Is that what you're asking? Oh, uh, yeah, right, yeah, that's exactly what I was asking. <laughs> it is a little Hodgman esque, but um, you may be having an argument with yourself, which I think that's a new twist. Yes, it is. Anyway, and it's about commercials. If there's any commercial that's causing conflict internally or externally in your life, bring it to us. We'll make a decision, and you can. You know, then then it'll be the end of it. All right. So I think uh, we have legal jurisdiction. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to do that in, in a few weeks. So everybody get your brain juices flowing on that. And then in a little bit, I'll post something on Facebook. And again, in the new Facebook group, uh, move on over if, if you haven't been there already. Uh, I'll, I'll create a thread where people can start weighing in on that. Conservatively, that took me an hour and 35 minutes today just scrolling through Spotify looking for what I thought would be the perfect song to start this segment. Um, <laughs> by the way, the, ar the it's artist is... It's too bad is, that we already used You Can Sell Anything I, I know. for well, our the, closing the, music. This one is called I Can Sell Anything. I really <laughs> did. I was like, I just want to use our closing music for this segment. Artist, by the way, a uh, hip-hop artist named Michi. I hadn't heard of him before, and he does not have a lot of... Uh, kind of a jam. Yeah, that's kind of... It's all right. I can send heat to the sun. Ooh, then you get <laughs> then it gets a little bit blue. All right, I do want to give a shout out here to our listener Tierra in Baltimore, whose idea this was. She had uh, sent us a note uh, one evening after trying Arby's pork belly sandwich, and she said, "You know, you should really do a, a whole segment on commercials that got people to try products because that's what the Arby's commercials did for me and the pork belly." sandwich turned out to be, and I quote, 
Grizzly and Ew. So I told Tiara that she gets an associate producer credit in today's show for uh, for bringing this whole thing up. By the way, if you're not familiar with the new pork belly Arby's smokehouse sandwich, here's the commercial in question. What can be said about pork belly that hasn't already been said about bacon? Well, it's way bigger, way thicker, way smokier. So that's three. Arby's, we have the meat. There it is, uh, Ving Rames uh, making his presence again in our podcast. Uh, that's his name, right, Ving Rames? Mm-hmm. Um, we have the meat. We've discussed that uh, catchphrase uh, quite a bit. I think that we both come out uh, net negative on that. We have the meat sounds like a condition. Yeah, net negative on we have the meats. And I got to be honest with you, Tara. I think we just have a different uh, aesthetic uh preferences because although i don't eat pork there there is pork there are pork foods that still look appetizing to me but you know i just don't eat them uh for uh for ethical reasons but that pork belly sandwich so what it is if you if you haven't seen the ad is it's you know it's two buns that thick cut pork belly which looks pretty sort of fatty which it is pork belly is yeah. incredibly fatty but it's rich, you know yeah. it's like half an inch thick of, yeah. of it looks like half an inch thick bacon but it's pretty sort of limp a piece of melted cheddar cheese kind of thrown over it and then a couple of uh crunchy onion rings stacked on top um and something about that whole combination and and you know and this is like the beauty shot right this is right. as good as they can make it look is not appealing to me the thing about pork belly is uh like the only time I ever have pork belly, and I have it like once a year tops, and this one year at a kind of what I consider to be a fancier restaurant, you know, probably just like sort a, of more gastro little gastro puppy, and I rarely get it. Uh, when I do, I enjoy it, but it's super rich. The thing, all, the same scenario always happens to me when they bring out um, my dinner when I ordered uh, pork belly. It comes out, and I think, oh man, I'm really hungry, and that's not very much meat. And then you just eat the two forkfuls of it, and you're like, I'm never eating again. I'm so full. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just so rich. And I wouldn't... So I think there's always a little bit of a mental game with me, even when I'm ordering it in like kind of nicer restaurants. So I don't think I would trust Arby's to, to provide my pork belly. I will say this, though. I had a real hard time today doing what I asked everybody else to do, which is come up with actual commercials that convince you to buy something. And the only one I can kind of come close to, and I couldn't find the exact commercial today, was an Arby's commercial. And this was a while back. And probably the reason I remembered is because it was documented in TBTL, the other podcast I do. I was in our old apartment in uh, Seattle here. So this is probably like four or five years ago or something. And an Arby's commercial came on. And I think it was one of them for the brisket. And I looked through a bunch of brisket commercials today. They just had a whole bunch of them. Ving Rhames says something. Has he been doing it that long? Yeah, he has been. And then he says, we have the meats. Um, And I just had this moment where I used to eat Arby's uh, a lot in college is when I discovered it. And then I started going there about once a week. And then I hadn't gone in years and years and years and years. And I was watching that brisket commercial, and it didn't make me want to go get the brisket sandwich. It just made me want to go to Arby's, which I did with Luke, and we recorded the whole thing. And it was all based on me sitting in my apartment, probably under the influence of something that is now legal in Washington State. And all of a sudden, I was like, I need that uh, that Arby's in my face as fast as possible. So, so did you ever I understand have the brisket? that I didn't go. I didn't go for the brisket. It just reminded me that Arby's existed. So I didn't go because I go to Arby's so rarely that if I'm going to go, I'm going to get. I, I can never remember the name of it, but it's basically like a you're eating too much sandwich. It's like three <laughs> sandwiches in one sort of. It's just like the monster meat or something like that. You Genevieve uh, do ha- I mean. I kind of picked this for you. I never checked with you. Would you agree that this next one was a commercial that got you to try something that you probably didn't need and wouldn't have considered? I definitely didn't need it. <laughs> I think I, I found a few uses for it over the years uh, before it was it became lost. But yes, I, I definitely was. It was entirely the commercial that talked me into this product. This is not the only sort of infomercial style product that I've bought over the years, by the way. Is it 516th or 930 seconds? Does it take a standard socket or metric? What you need is the Gator Grip, the amazing socket that works on over 1,000 nuts, bolts, and fasteners. Watch, no matter what size fastener, nut, bolt, wing nut, square nut, eye bolt, hook, most anything. Holland Pepper. Stop, Stop naming, naming nuts. <laughs> now hang a plant, work under the hood, 
or set up a Christmas tree stand quickly and easily. The secret are these retractable steel rods that form to fit most any size or shape, standard or metric. Even damaged and stripped bolts are no problem. Okay, so this is getting a little bit visual. Do you want to explain what this pro- product is? Yeah, it's essentially uh, a wrench and socket set that instead of having different sized sockets, it has like a set of retractable pins. Mm-hmm. And so when you lower the, the socket over any, you know, nut or bolt, uh, no matter what size it is, the pins lock into place. The pins kind of, it's like one of those things where you put your hand it's in. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it, you know, it's yes. like a bunch of needle, like not needles, but a bunch of pins. And when you right. put your hand in, it leaves the imprint of your hand. Exactly. It's like that in a tiny, you know, in like a one inch round socket. And uh, it, it holds the thing in place. It does work to the extent that this the thing you're trying to turn is small enough to fit in this but if it's if it's anything slightly odd shaped really it stops being useful pretty quickly and that's what drives me crazy about this is they show it on a wing nut if you can picture a wing if you can't picture a wing nut i can't describe it to you but for those who do know what wing nuts are, are like Maybe I'm actually thinking like, yeah, I think it's a wing nut or a finger screw sort yeah. of. They put the gator grip over one side of it so it's like lopsided and then spin it with a drill and it looks like it's like securing the nut. There's, I, physics took a holiday on that one. Yeah. That's not going to work that way. I will tell you the use, the most useful way I ever – I was the one time I was really glad I had it. I lived in this um, sort of like – I think it was a second or third floor walk up in a pretty crummy part of Boston uh, – and we had dormer windows, the kind that like open up oh, vertically yeah, right, from right. a from an angled roof. And there was like a special crank that you had that detached from each window and to, to turn to open the window, you had to like hit, you know lock the crank onto the like weird shaped uh, sort of post sticking out of the window and crank it. Mm-hmm. Well, my roommate and I lost that crank at some point, and there was no other way to open those dormer windows um, except gator grip. Did exactly what it was supposed to do, which was you could put it over this odd shaped post and and use the the ratchet to mm-hmm. open it. So I think you know worth it. I mean, it was worth it to me. You got it for me. As I know a gift. that's the thing. I was going to ask you, and we should move on to the listeners here. But do you think that you would have ever actually bought it for yourself? I think a lot of these um, kind of infomercial type of products are probably sold. I don't know. I would I would guess that a decent percentage of them are not sold to the people who want it, but to the people who like showed a passing interest, and then Christmas came up, and they're like, "Oh, this would be a fun little kind of gag gift." That or like if you're out of if you're out of ideas for something, uh, but you know that your you know dad or uncle or whatever is like a a, girlfriend, a handy person. Yes, true. That's very gender normative of me. Uh, if, If you know a person is is handy and likes you know gadgets and stuff like that, these are these are good for that, and they're often advertised in that vein of, like, great for Christmas gifts. I want to move on to – oh, actually, there's one kind of – one more kind of caveat I wanted to make about our own here is um, I told I feel like I cheated a little bit because, yeah, I saw an Arby's commercial, and it made me want Arby's, and also Tierra already claimed Arby's for this exercise, and then it's – I didn't even Sounds get like the Arby's thing. has their ad game intact. Yeah, I guess so, but it, so I, the I don't – food – Less so. What, what did the Simpsons say? Throw it over the fence and let Arby's take care of it. Also, I'm so hungry I could eat Arby's. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's one of my favorites. Um, there is There was an advertisement that had a significant impact on me. It's cheating, though, again, because it wasn't a commercial, Genevieve. But you know this story. Just quickly, though, I'll just mention that. I use Grubhub today, and there are a whole bunch of, I should say, apps on your phone that help you order food, you know, delivery food from from wherever. Um, but I am loyal to Grubhub, and there's a whole bunch of them, but I've always been loyal to Grubhub. And the reason is, is that it was the first one I heard of because of a billboard on the corner of Arlington and Olympic, about mm, two blocks from our house in Los Angeles. Uh, there was a billboard, and I don't remember exactly what it said, but it just made it sound like it just planted the idea in my head that I can just go home right now and order any kind of takeout I want without talking to anybody. And uh, and I did that once, and I liked it. And I will, even though I've had some frustrations with Grubhub, I probably will never bother downloading a different app for it. It's just like I, I that's what I'm plugged into now, and probably will be for a while. And it's because of this single billboard that I remember exactly where it was. I can't think of any other billboard that has had that effect on me. 
Yeah, no, it really did change. And, and it's funny because it's not just you, right? Like you started using Grubhub. Then I downloaded it since you mm-hmm. had a reasonably good experience with it. And now, even though we've had a couple of sort of bad experiences over the years with Grubhub, it's too much trouble to download another right. one and, and like uh, you right. know load in all my information. And they, you know, they know I I know how to use Grubhub, so I'm willing to put up with a certain amount of inconvenience when things don't go perfectly with them. Yeah, and nine and a half times out of ten, if I'm ordering food now, I'm just going back to previous orders and then adjusting it. Like right. I'm not like starting from scratch. I mean, God, I hear myself. How lazy have we gotten? All right. Oh, uh, one more for me. Yeah. Actually, run real yeah. quick because I haven't bought this product, but I think I would like to. Uh huh. Um. I, there's a bit of a fly in the ointment, but my phone is a Samsung Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Samsung, if you've been paying attention, has been having some issues lately. Now, it was just with the the the, the Galaxy 7 Note, which yeah. is like the bigger version of the phone. Uh-huh. But, you know, it makes me think twice about buying another Samsung product, although I've had pretty good experiences with them. But then I've been seeing the ads for the Google Pixel Oh which yeah, which is this very slender. I mean, it, it's slender like an iPhone. It's like it, it's much. It's a little less chunky than your average Android phone. Although, of course, being a Google phone, it is an Android phone. Um, and they a lot of the specs that they advertise in terms of like the camera and the ability to charge a full seven hour length battery in fifteen How minutes. How easy is getting to new? I'm sorry. Um, like all some of these features that they advertise were so appealing mm-hmm. that I thought like, hey, I'm going to need a new phone pretty soon. I'm going to put this on my list only to discover that they are right now only sold through Verizon and I'm not switching carriers. Oh, but, that's the fly in the ointment. But if it was sold through our carrier, uh, I would I would heartily consider it. So Google, take a note. Well, I'll tell you one that is really working on me and I I'm not going to get one for various reasons, but... Damn, it's close is the um, Microsoft Surface ads, which is really? funny because it's kind of a... I have two surf surfi, <laughs> neither of which do I love. I, I mean, know. they're and Microsoft. I have adequate. Somebody, I, you know that I'm a Microsoft person. I will probably you know never you know just kind of switch all my stuff over to Mac. I'm just too invested in the Google situation at this point. Um, but those ads that are running now, and there's a whole bunch of them where they show people really taking advantage of the stylus and the touch screen you to do, do artistic things. And there's one with two young women who I believe are maybe in art school. And then there's one with like a guy who I think is some sort of a set designer. Set, oh, yes, a set designer. Exactly. So it's a little bit like it's creative, but it's also got this engineering aspect of it. When they, Whenever they show these people working on the on the computer and you see these beautiful things they're creating with the stylus it makes you think for a second if i had that computer i could just while away the hours creating well beautiful dude i've got things. two surfaces sitting around the house so okay what's the program that they're using that's the question i don't know uh anyway so that would that would come close so that was a commercial that got me to use a product that uh my girlfriend already owns i want to read uh uh, what Nick, a listener Nick, posted on our Facebook page. I'm just going to read his comment, and then I will play the commercial without explaining anything more, because uh, that's how uh, that's how uh, I did it, and it was there was a good payoff. Uh, Nick says, you're looking for commercials that sold a product immediately, and I have one. After seeing this commercial once, I gave some money to my older brother. I was underage at the time, and he bought me a Sixer of Red Stripe. By the way, still one of my all-time favorite TV commercials ever made. It has been a long time since I've had a bottle or six of Red Stripe, but I think it's time to get some more. Genevieve, you have not seen this, right? No. I I think I love this ad, too. I want to get your take on it. Red Stripe, the beer in the short, stubby, ugly bottle. If ugly people stand next to a Red Stripe, they look beautiful. You, sir. Yeah? Would you say that you're ugly? Well, I wouldn't say... You are very ugly! <laughs> Here, hold this red stripe. Okay. Look, you are beautiful! Red stripe! It's beer! Hooray beer! Hooray beer! Says the beautiful man. <laughs> I just think the timing is great. I think comedically, it's... Uh, I just think it's great. I like it, and I'm so glad. So for the so for the listeners, uh, he just... Ha- he's he's uh, sort of a... Good-looking guy, uh, the, the narrator, uh, in kind of like a... He looks like an old-timey mayor uh, with, like, tails uh, and a, a fancy sort of tails and tuxedo and then a, a banner, like a like a Miss Universe banner that says mm-hmm. Red Stripe across his chest. And he's he turns to the guy that he's talking to who just looks like, 
you know, a junior programmer at Microsoft, right? right? Like, yeah, just he's a norm sort of core to the super hilt. norm core, average looking, not not hideous, but certainly not super handsome. He hands him the beer, and you kind of wonder if they're going to do a trick, like a now it's like mm-hmm. been replaced by a super handsome guy, but no. It's just super, he's just the same guy yep. holding the beer, which I think is a good decision. They could have gone with like a more jokey mm-hmm. uh, transition there and they just left it the way it was. Which yeah. I think it was good. I, I think that it's it probably came in under budget. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a good. Yeah, no economi- name actors. It's a good economical ad that is also, um, that is just funny. It just relies 100% on the joke. And the uh, pitch man's ability to deliver those jokes. Now, did listener Nick, does he he explain in his post or uh, or his feedback, did he really think he would get, did he think there was any truth to this uh, sales pitch? (laughs) I don't, I mean, I I doubt that that's what he was going for with uh, with his note. But um, I think, you know, I just think that humor goes a long way, both, I I think, in romantic relationships and commercials, right? I mean, for me... Uh, that's what works. Um, by the way, we got a n- bunch of notes from people who saw toys when they were kids, toy commercials yeah. when they were kids. That's when you're the most vulnerable. Yeah, and I was doing a lot of brainstorming on that too today. Like I could remember, and we've already had a conversation about like we did a whole show with our friend Nick about uh, toy commercials that made you lust for something, uh, a toy when you were a kid that you never got. Mm-hmm. And so I remembered like some of those, but I never got them. You know, like the USS... Uh, flag. The, the USS Flag, right? The aircraft carrier for G.I. Joe. Um, but Colyon writes on our page, I really wanted this toy and I got it. This is going to blow your mind grapes, Genevieve. It's Pulsar, the ultimate man of adventure. You energize his heart, lungs, and body fluid into pulsating action. Then load a mission disc into his brain. Imagine you make his heart beat for land adventures. His lungs pump for high-altitude missions. Pulsar, imagine you energize him for exciting feats of strength. Pulsar, the ultimate man of adventure. How did I not know that that was a toy? (laughs) You guys... Please go to the Facebook group and look at this ad. I will post it. It is bonkers. Colyon, if you have that toy still, I like sell it and buy a boat. Yeah, sell it and buy a boat because it that is that thing is insane. The it it's it's basically like a Ken doll sized uh, doll. Can I argue with that? I'm gonna say it's more like the big G.I. Joe size. Or a big G.I. Size. Joe it's pretty size. Big, yeah. But it's you know, like uh, you know, about a foot tall, maybe, give or take a few inches. Yeah. And it is like some sort of that, – that is like a joke from a – I feel like that's an ad from a um, – who made RoboCop? Oh, Paul Verhoeven? Paul Verhoeven. It right. looks like a Paul Verhoeven, like, joke ad for a toy. How is it that I can't remember Larry King's name on my other <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yeah, somehow I was able to pull out Paul Verhoeven. Um yeah, that is seriously amazing. And so his like you as the commercial says, you can kind of sort of see his lungs filling up with air at times. You open I up don't his understand face why and you put in a little disc. And I don't know what that does. I think the disc that you put in the head might control what body function is working when you're playing with it. That, so maybe you put in one for make the lungs work. You put in another one to make them poop. I no. am going on the eBay's and getting me one of those dolls. That is insane. Did you have any dolls that were? Um, that did uh, bodily functions. I never had any of those dolls that peed or anything. Um, I think my sister had a crying doll. Oh Lord! I think it was. I mean, it was a doll of a forty-year-old woman. <laughs> she would cry, and then you would feed her a little, uh, a little couple of little pills <laughs> right. and dolls. She was a forty-year-old woman, a glass of Chardonnay. who was dressed in her wedding dress all the time, and she sat by a window, yeah. and you would put little uh, water. Anyway, um, let's see here. I got another one here, another toy. Let's uh, let's play Patricia's. She said she wanted it. She bugged her parents for it. Got it for Christmas the year before. We got our real live dog. Mostly, I like the way the kid said, it's Digger. So this is a commercial for a product called Digger the Dog. I'm going to say early 80s. Well, the, the, this is claiming it's from the 70s, so maybe uh, mid to late 70s. Digger the Dog. It's just a toy dog that you pull his uh, you pull his tail, I think, or you pull a string. You pull his leash, 
and then uh, and then the, it'll give the dog motion, and you can take it for walks. They're so literal and specific right. about it. That kid is cute. The kid is really cute. But uh, by the way, the Love and Spoonful call, they want their song back. I think doesn't that remind you of like a John Sebastian song or something? Uh, it not it doesn't. But maybe there's one that I'm not thinking of. Um, I gotta say, you can tell how old that commercial is in a number of ways. Uh, I think the postman is wearing a uniform for one yeah. thing, like a like a bellhop uniform. But the thing that really struck me and and made me think like, oh, wow, this is so old, like seeing someone smoking in a doctor's office, is it's a very little kid walking Digger the dog, and the kid's like walking through his neighborhood <laughs> yeah. unattended. Wait, her, right? That's a little girl, no? Oh, I thought it was a little boy. Uh, very, the, kid, the kid's it was, so young you can't yeah, tell. Yeah. Um, but that, do you know how weird that would be in a modern ad to see a child that young, unattended, walking through a neighborhood, like meeting other strange right. adults, you know? Right, right. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to be rightfully annoyed by this, but I'm trying to think of a, of a Love and Spoonful song that that might um, remind me of. It could be this one. I know Daydream. That doesn't sound like it to me. Does what it? a day for a daydream. I don't know. Maybe it's just like that era, but somehow that uh, reminds can we just listen to this for a little bit? <laughs> All right. I promise that we wouldn't uh, waste too much time today. I promise myself that. Uh, so let's move on. I love this note that we got from uh, Nikki. She says, this commercial came on one night while I was sneak watching TV in the living room after my parents went to sleep. I was instantly mesmerized. And when, I, and when it got to the part where they list all the things that the easy to-do fashion machine could make, I just lost my mind and ran into my parents' bedroom, waking them up and begged them to please buy this for me. To my shock, they actually bought it for me for my eighth birthday. It turned out to basically just be a hot glue gun. Which sounds like a great gift for an eight-year-old. <laughs> right, exactly. They were out of bag of glass, but good news <laughs> is they did have the easy-to-do fashion machine from 1992. I love what I can do with the easy-to-do, easy-to-do Design it, mold it, paint it, bake it, wear it, share it, you love to make it. The easy-to-do fashion machine lets you make pins, bows, rings, lots of awesome things. I can twist it, name it, clip it, beat it, hang it, frame it, I love it, need it. The only thing I can't do is stop. I love what I can do with the easy-to-do, easy-to-do. Easy-to-do fashion machine comes with everything you see here. Refills and accessory sets sold separately. You know, it looks, e- it, even though I know it's basically just a hot glue <laughs> gun, I, I kind of want it. Well, maybe that Nikki, is that ad is would be so effective on like ten year old me. To me, that looks more like um, the Easy Bake Oven sort of. It's more like kind of a kiln in the fashion of an Easy Bake Oven. Yeah, in fact, you know, it's funny. Um, I we actually I actually have some clay. I love arts and crafts. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like what I do to calm down, basically. Uh, and so you actually got me, I think some like this very colorful, like sort of plastic plasticine clay, um, that you can form into shapes and then you bake it and it's essentially like, it becomes like hard plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, we were, we were babysitting a a little friend of ours recently and I got it out and she was kind of like, so, so on it. And I was like, no, we're going to play with it right now. (laughs) You you know, you, you molded it a little shapes and you put it in the oven. I mean, it's essentially that, right? Right, yeah. You're going to tell your kids someday about how much fun you had with a downstairs neighbor making <laughs> things. She was she was like, can we color? No. No. Um, I want to just give a quick shout out. We've talked about the Snoopy Snow Cone machine before, I think, in our toy show. Uh, but that was an effective ad. They must have sold a gajillion of those things. Yeah, that was the first one that popped into it's Patty's It's basically a head. blender. Um, let's see here. Oh, I want to take a very different turn here or a big turn big left turn uh karen writes in um here's an ad that works for me i ignore getting vaccinations because i'm an older person but i have a grandchild very people who need vaccinations the most like flu whenever you hear like the flu vaccine they always say the older you are, the more you Well, maybe Karen's just calling herself an old person, but she might be right in that donut hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but she says she has a grandchild on the way, 
And this ad got me moving. This is a, a GlaxoSmithKline TV spot for a whooping cough vaccination. Um, I can't remember what happens in here, so it's going to be hard for me to describe it visually. But I will tell you that the first scene is of a wolf. Like a person, but with a very photorealist, very like movie quality wolf head. Yeah. Imagine you, it's kind of like the fantastic Mr. Fox. But like, this looks like a real person. It's not claymation. Oh, that's right. It's not right. like puppets. Yeah. So I'm off to a hot start on this one. There's something out there. It's a highly contagious disease. It can be especially serious, even fatal to infants. Unfortunately, many people who spread it may not know they have it. Wow. It's called whooping cough. And the CDC recommends... I'm going to pause it for a second. So we see a bunch of just like human beings going about their business. And we see a, a picture of a um, of a pretty vulnerable looking little baby. It looks like maybe uh, the, the parents of this baby and this baby are, are on their way to visit a grandparent. Yes. And then we see the grandparent. She's like knitting or something on the couch waiting for her family to arrive. And she just coughs really quickly into her arm, which is good. But right as she coughs, she turns into that wolf quickly, and then yeah, returns back to a human. Her face just in quickly the time flashes of a, as a as a wolf, and then becomes grandma's face again. It's pretty creepy. It's called whooping cough, and the CDC recommends everyone, including those around babies, make sure their whooping cough vaccination is up to date. Understand the danger your new grandchild faces. Talk to your wow. doctor or pharmacist this about you. This ad is a great. So I kind of blew it by describing the wolf. That is not the first shot that we were describing before. That's the last shot. So really, the narrative of the ad is we just see humans this whole time. Everything is normal, but then we see a flash of this wolf face when the grandma coughs into her arm, and then at the very end of the commercial, she's saying hello to the little baby. She's a human. She puts her face near the baby, but then all of a sudden she picks up the baby, and then you see this wolf. And it's all up a it's tiny all baby. told sort of as an al- or sort of in the like on her in a Red Riding Hood theme. So the mm-hmm. baby has like a little red hood on. The the mom and dad who are coming with me have like a pl- have a like a wicker basket that they're carrying. It's 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 a, sort of echoing that fairy tale. And the grandma, of course, you know, it's all a riff on um, Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf and the grandma. Mm-hmm. But in this telling, the grandma is the wolf, even though she doesn't realize it because of the whooping cough. That is an incredibly effective ad, and particularly for for drug ads, which have a hard time yeah. communicating a very complicated concepts within a lot of legal ramif- sort of requirements and restrictions that is incredibly effective because i don't i didn't hear one word they were saying but i am i my takeaway is oh baby's in danger if i don't get my vaccination right right so karen uh i 100 understand why that worked on you absolutely i feel like i should maybe go get a whooping cough vaccine just in case i meet a baby here's an ad um that carolyn submitted i'll let the, i'll play the ad first i'll read you her comments after why are you still using these chipping greasy disgusting fry pans when you can have the world's top frying pan designed with durable slippery ceramic so food slip slide and glide right out g'day jason roberts here with the original organic look this chicken's swimming in fat chickens can't swim with organic you can fry, roast, saute, even bake with little or no added fat or grease and no sticking. Come on. We all need to get healthier. Okay, I'm not going to uh, play the whole thing. In case you didn't get the, catch the name of it, it's called Orgreenic Pans. And Carolyn says, I bought this as a joke gift for my husband, who's a professional chef, but he loves them. They're some of the best nonstick pans we've ever used. Now, that's interesting because we actually, uh, I bought some very expensive pans uh, and they are not nonstick and they're very frustrating because I paid a lot for them. They're good for me. Are they supposed to be nonstick? Because well, they're like, they're big, big, heavy stainless steel skillets. Yeah, yeah they are. They they are good for certain things, but they aren't good for things like eggs or anything right. like that. And I've always thought those enamel pans were probably just, you know, that it was all just hype and that they mm-hmm. weren't good. But if, if she likes your organic, I might get one. Like I, I, uh, those there's, that's not the only, uh, enamel pan that's advertised, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. one among many. It's such a, what is it about like those pan ads with like a guy with an Australian or British accent telling you about like all yeah. these all the attributes of pans i know and th- they always have an accent too yeah. um i got uh, a note from harvey who says i fell in love with this commercial 
and it made me try them. I'll uh, I'll I'll follow up with how he ends his note in a second. This is for Belvita breakfast biscuits. Have you heard of these before? Sure. I always think they're be- I always think it's they're saying Velveeta until I realize mm-hmm. they're talking about a cookie. Well, I don't think I'd heard of them before. This is a really funny commercial. It's very visual, so I'm going to need your help here, Vives. I got dressed for the dog, wrote about it in my blog. Didn't get a ticket on my commute. Hit the gym, scored a towel, found a pin, saw an owl. Did impressions of the client with the client on mute. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Paper shredded, needle threaded, poodle petted, fish fetted, and I even wrote this song. No, you didn't. Crunchy Belvita breakfast biscuits are made with delicious ingredients and carefully baked to release steady energy. So that's a tough one to follow along without the visuals. She's uh, clearly describing just what a great day she had, presumably because she began her day eating uh, some Belvita. I could see this lady being one of your commercial crushes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's got that um, new girl. Yeah, uh, very new girl quality to to her, um, and the, there's a bunch of visual jokes in there that you hear a bunch of people laugh at one point. She's like, kind of, she puts her client on mute and then makes fun of the client and everybody. I guess the good part about that is everybody laughs at her joke. And mm-hmm. uh, there were some other things. Yeah, that maybe she just went has by a killer good. day. She just has a killer day. It's a cute song, um, and uh, it is uh, that would be effective had I ever seen it before. However, Harvey says I still love the commercial, but the food is garbage. Yeah, I mean, I think. Have anything. you tried them? No, but they don't look tasty no, to me. No, they do not. They do not look like tasty treats. Now, this, I almost meant to bring them in here. This was submitted by Oh, I think, I, I think this has worked on me, too. I, I think I've tried this, and I, I'll, I'll give you my review after the commercial. Welcome back to the cleaning games. Let's get a recap, Merv. Thank okay, just so games. you know, what you're seeing here are two um, bottles of cleaning solutions that are kind of dressed up like uh, like sports announcers. Welcome back to the cleaning games. Let's get a recap, Merv. Thanks, other Merv. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Extra Power was three times faster on permanent marker. Elsewhere against dirt, it was a sweep with scuffed sports equipment. Had it coming. Grungy phones. Oh, super dirty. And grimy car rims. Wow, that really works. All taking losses. It looks like Mr. Clean has won everything. The cleaning games are finished. And so are we. Okay, but I just took a mortgage out on the cabinet. Clean more, work less with the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Extra Power. Okay, so they're not psyched because they're going to lose their job as cleaning solutions because of Mr. Clean's new eraser pads. You bought me these one time, and you came home from the store and said how excited you were, and then I don't think I ever used them. Are they still under the sink right now? I don't think so, because I bought them a long time ago. I remember using them, trying to use them on something, and they work really not any better than a regular sponge. That's Jennifer says, those ads convinced me that it could clean anything. It works okay. Yeah, I would agree. It's, def- it's definitely not worth a premium. Um, that was the last one that I had pulled from the Facebook page. I think that's a good group. But you have another one here that it looks like it's a, it's a voicemail from someone. Voicemail from Marissa? Yeah, and this is about an ad that worked on her as a child. Now, this is not a television ad, but I think it's a good way to close out this segment. Okay, let's take a listen to this. Hi, Andrew and Genevieve. This is Marissa in Maryland. You were asking about ads that had actually convinced us of anything. When I was a little kid, my mom got the Signals uh, catalog, which was like the public radio catalog. And one of the things that they sold... Was- Wait, what does that mean? What's the... Oh, it was literally the... Oh, that's... That rings a bell. Yeah. It, it, you could buy stuff and it would support public radio? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for supporting public radio. One of the things that they sold was uh, cassette tapes of this old, old radio show called Let's Pretend, which I convinced my mom to buy me. And every episode of Let's Pretend, this was a show that was airing like during World War II. Every episode of Let's Pretend started with a jingle for cream of wheat. For all the family's breakfast, you can't be cream of wheat. And I went to my mom and I asked her, you know, does this still exist? Can I have it? And she bought it for me. Mm-hmm. I had never had any hot cereal except oatmeal before. And, I, and she bought it for me and I loved it and I still love it. And that's like 20 years ago and I still buy it. Okay. I love the show. Bye-bye, guys. <laughs> First of all, I I love how that is like down a down a a daisy chain of advertising. So the signals catalog right. comes. She's talk she's talks her mom into getting one product, which then has advertising embedded in it for cream of wheat, um, which she then buys and then becomes a lifelong customer, which I think is hilarious. And so I have here the link to that song she sang. Now it's very the the quality is very bad because as she said, this is from like decades and decades ago. Uh, but I think you can kind of hear the song. 
Marissa did a pretty good job. She totally yeah, did it. Yeah. I know. I love it. That's great. Well, that is a perfect example of a commercial that led you to uh, try something that you wouldn't have otherwise. So uh, the conversation isn't over. If you guys want to uh, join in, find that post on our Facebook group. It's after these messages. Uh, look for the group and uh, and uh, leave them there. Or probably the easiest way at this point for us to get them is to email them. Yeah, you can always email me at uh, after these messages show at Gmail. All right, let's check out some commercials in the news. Commercials in the news! All right, Faze, I'm excited to talk to you about this one. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Dos Equis has named the successor to the most interesting man in the world. They have a new most interesting man in the world. Now, we discussed... At great length, I think, when they decided to take the job away from their longtime most interesting man in the world. Uh, his name is Jonathan Goldsmith, 77 years old now. Uh, you guys know these commercials. These are the ones where uh, Goldsmith is running around having crazy adventures, some of them, some of them in the past, some of them in the present. Um, and he – what was his catchphrase? I don't always drink – I don't always drink beer when I do. I drink Dos Equis. And the, the commercials were kind of based on all these jokes. Uh, like, uh, can you think of a good example? Um, I always blank on these. It's it's sort of the it's sort of the same it's sort of the same joke construction as like um, Chuck Norris, right? Like right. when he forgets your name, you feel complimented or something, right? And so those like you get a, a, a trio of those jokes over top of the most interesting man in the world doing some really interesting, crazy, sometimes death defying things. Uh, the company was pretty straightforward about it. They had a seventy seven year old man trying to sell beer to young people, and they felt like they needed a new person. But they also have this very successful ad campaign, so they want to keep that going. I thought that that was a really bad idea. We'll talk about my feelings after this new commercial, uh, after we play it. I'd like your feelings, too. Do you have a sounder for talking about your feelings? (laughs) If I did, you'd hear it a lot. Um, (laughs) I will say that my initial reaction was either... Stick with the campaign mm-hmm. or get rid of the very famous face of the campaign and get rid of the entire campaign. You know right, what I mean? But I they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want their, their cake and eat it too. So here is the new one with a much younger, uh, most interesting man in the world, by the way. He is, uh, he's a French actor, Augustine or August, Augustine, probably Augustine Legrand. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I don't know. And it's Francophiles. This- uh, correct us. It's the same uh, format. Let's take a listen. Francophones. He once cheated death, and death was perfectly okay with it. He can tie his arm behind his back with one arm tied behind his back. If life were to give him lemons, he'd make a spinach fettuccine with a shiitake mushroom glaze. He played college football in high school. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer the steaks. Stay thirsty, mis amigos. So a few things to note there um, that, that really stand out. Like we mentioned, they wanted somebody younger. I think it's interesting, though, that they did not go with somebody super young. Right. The actor is 44 years old. And I, he looks it. He looks at least that. I or No, I'm sorry. He's 41 years old. I think that he could play. I, I thought he might be in his early 50s, as a matter of fact. Um, so he's not like some dumbass millennial. I don't know why I'm being mean to millennials. But I was just really I was, expecting I was, them to. I was expecting like. Like a like a real young, very like smooth, uh, kind of a not a baby face, but like a super young guy, like a model yeah. looking young guy, like a and also this guy is handsome but distinctive looking. He's you know he's he's got like you know very he's got like a really pronounced nose and he's kind of he's handsome but he's not like um 
he's not sort of like uh, generically handsome. Right, which um, goes a long way. I think it's interesting to note that he's French. They clearly, um, it's it's a Mexican beer, right? Or, I know. It's so weird hearing that phrase, that catchphrase come from with a French accent. It's a little bit weird, but I think the key is, I've been thinking about this. I was talking about this with Luke earlier today on the other podcast, and I I feel like my feelings are evolving about it because really the most interesting man in the world, his whole thing is he is of the world. He is worldly. He isn't necessarily Mexican or even, you know, Latin American or, you know what I mean? Like he is just, he is, he's just the most interesting man in the world. He can do it all. He's been everywhere. He had a slight accent that was a little bit hard for an American ear to place. Mm -hmm, Right. But it sounded a little more Spanish to me than anything. But instead of saying, stay thirsty, my friends, the, the changing it to mis amigos is a very clear outreach to, you know, Latinos, Latinas, to get them, you know, and obviously, we already mentioned, a younger audience as well. So really, uh, I think that's a significant difference. Um, This I'm reading from Ad Age. They point out that uh, a big difference here is that women play uh, a bigger role in this campaign. There's one woman who's kind of featured alongside the most interesting man in the world, and she's kind of like, she's right in step with him all the way. At one point, they're like kung fu fighting or something, and she's kung fu fighting with him. Uh, There's a knife-throwing contest. They're both in that knife-throwing contest. They're both racing these crazy sand dune hopper things. Um, And in the past, as, again, Ad Age points out, women were just kind of like these sexy things that were kind of being fawned over, and they were totally objects in the original. So I like that change. I think that's pretty good. I think that's a good change, although it's... I think somewhat obscured by the visual confusion of the ad. Uh, like I didn't even notice that it was the same woman throughout the ad. Cause that's a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. in very quick succession. Um, and he's still obviously the star and it's, he's the most interesting mm-hmm. man. He's the only person with a, the only actor with a, a speaking part in it. So I feel like the woman's elevated role is somewhat beside the point. Uh, although really? yeah. I could not disagree with you more because I don't think that the point of this ad is to try to give equal footing to the women in the ads necessarily. And I don't think that that's what they were trying to do. And I don't think that's what they should have done, but just to at least take the women out of the complete object role. You d- the reason why I like it is because I didn't notice that until ad age pointed it out. I'm like, yeah, that is a good subtle update that yeah. is kind of important, but it doesn't have to be the headline. No, that's fine. I mean, it's, I don't object to it, but it doesn't, it didn't, um, I, I didn't. It wasn't a takeaway for me, mm. so I don't know if it, maybe if I watched it fifty times, I, it would be a takeaway. Um, what do you I, know? You're just a woman, right? I just found it to be, you know, it was. I felt like they were really trying to recapture some of the style and kind of magic of the old ones, and that they didn't quite accomplish it. It felt like there's. There's too much going on with the joke and then visually. So I'll give you an example. When they say he played college football in high school, they're also showing you they make a the football that he kicks for that scene, it's carved out of a coconut. That he carved. That he, yeah. he carves the football out of a coconut, then kicks the coconut football through two for through two uprights, which are two giraffe necks. So like there's already now I'm like, wait, are we in a tropical place? Are we in an, I guess we're in Africa now. Like, why are there coconuts there? Um, why is he, why was he in high school in Africa? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. adding so much to the narrative by trying to have all these crazy visuals yeah. to make the, to make, but it's like too many jokes. And this is the thing I keep coming back to with ads. You don't need 50 jokes. You need a joke or two, but adding 50 jokes to your funny ad is defeats the purpose and i feel like that's what this does yeah we've had a few commercials that we've talked about where it seems like oh there's the punchline but then it keeps going with yes. a totally different joke it introduces a new joke in the last third of the commercial of 30 seconds in the last 10 seconds or something so i agree just one last uh, note from ad age another key difference they say is that the ad plays out entirely in the present era that contrasts with the old ads which included footage of a younger version of the man suggesting a bygone era so that's obviously another very specific thing that they're trying to do by having a younger, most interesting man in the world. You know what I wish they had done as their narrative for getting a younger, most interesting man? I wish they had put the old, most interesting man, Jonathan Goldsmith, into um, like some sort of like magical time machine or 
younger later or whatever mm-hmm. because i feel like it it's a difficult narrative for them to send him packing to the moon right they they and then, ended his his narrative that way and then suddenly we have a new most interesting man but he's clearly very seasoned himself right, right. like he's he's a man he's in his 40s like where was what what was going what was and of course i like look i understand i'm being pedantic and it's just all silliness to begin with but they want us to invest in this narrative on some level if they didn't if they if they didn't care about that then they wouldn't have just recast him and he'd be this new guy and there wouldn't be any explanation for what happened to the old guy so the fact that they make us think about what happened to the old guy now makes me wonder well what was where was this uh where was this augustine uh, whatever his name is, Legrand. What's he been doing for the past forty-one years while Jonathan Goldsmith was being the most interesting? Yeah, was man? he the second most interesting man in the world? And I think that's maybe he should, they should have had him. Maybe they should have had him kill the first one and then you know take the title. Yeah, I like that. I would like, tune in for real that. brutal, real like like Walking Dead style. Yeah, um, yeah. This goes back to them wanting to have their cake and eating it too. Yes, they wanted to get rid of Jonathan Goldsmith um, because of the age thing, but they also realized they have a huge opportunity here because they haven't. And honestly, I'm not thrilled with the fact they did all this, but I got to say they did it pretty successfully because what they wanted to do was make a switcheroo, get the most bang for their buck out of that switcheroo, both with saying goodbye to the. Yes. Uh, and I'm not talking about just talking about it on this podcast. This was the type of thing oh, that, no. like, you know, silly talk shows and little blog posts as around earned, the country as an about. Earned media strategy, this is absolutely brilliant. People were talking about it then, and now the big debut. But you're right. If you also want to have this sort of be part of the same narrative and you're taking it that's say how is this part of the same narrative like i would almost appreciate it more if just like in the middle of the night they just switched it out some people would be like hey they switched that guy out and some people they would have gotten press no matter what because yeah, but that's not a, the a same success, amount successful campaign not but not the same amount by having this whole thing where we're sending them to the moon and everything yeah. they actually played it really right then but, they'd just be biting kfc's rhyme uh, oh yeah just by uh having different people do it all the time so anyway i i i think it's an interesting story and i'm kind of fascinated by it generally speaking i don't or I guess I should say in summation, I don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. Um, but I guess I still sort of feel like the jokes just aren't as good. That's this is something true. that me and Luke talked about. It's just not as well written. I agree. And so, you know, if you're going to weaken it, I have a feeling that this probably – that other campaign ran for a long time, over a decade, right? I have a feeling this one will not run that long. I, think I legit think it, they would have been better off switching it to the most interesting woman in the world. Yeah. Because – then it's an it's a clean yeah. break, and you get, you're going to get tons of press for that. Yes, um, we're about to have our first woman president. Like, it, I think that would have been a way more palatable and interesting. And then you could have had like a passing of the torch. I guarantee you that they considered that. Yes. But the thing is, the market that they're trying to sell to is not primarily women. You know what I mean? They don't want to be associated. If their whole campaign, their whole identity becomes hung on this idea of the most interesting woman in the world, it becomes a woman's beer. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, God, and, knows, and that's... God knows we're not worth selling to as a population. <laughs> God knows we're a minority. All right. Uh, let's check in with the old ad council. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, what what have we got in the old email bag? I don't know why I keep on referring to it as old. We need a new email bag and a new ad council. Well, what we have uh, to start with is from listener Linder. Uh, This is a little bit on the same kind of things, ads that worked on your brain. But um, she writes, uh, remember a time when it was hard to find a wide variety of fresh donuts? (laughs) No. Uh, I wasn't allowed much sweets as a kid, but I loved these commercials from the 80s. Um, so if you want to give this one a play, I think a lot of people will recognize it, and I'll uh, I'll narrate it. Yeah, I do, I do remember this commercial. I didn't really think of it the way Linder puts it, that this actually was reacting to kind of a, a situation in the market where there were not, I guess, a lot of fresh donuts. We know Dunkin' Donuts are always fresh and come in more varieties than supermarkets. Excuse me. But we like to make sure. Do you have delicious chocolate frosted donuts? 
I think this would be a good time to pause and explain what's going on. So what you're hearing is the is uh, the actor uh, Michael Vale, who was the famous uh, Time to Make the Donuts guy, right? He's like sort of a heavy set, uh, older guy with a mustache. He's in a grocery store, and you see him putting on kind of a muumu style dress, uh, a blonde wig. And he and he was wearing white gloves, and he walks up to the bakery counter in a grocery store with his hand over his upper lip, hiding his mustache and talking in falsetto. You have delicious chocolate frosted donuts, like Dunkin' Donuts. Hmm? No. Do you have five kinds of jelly donuts? No. Ma'am. Were these made fresh this morning? No. Good. Dunkin' Donuts. Up to 52 varieties made fresh day and night. No supermarket can say that. So I really love this ad. And when Linda sent it, I remembered seeing it. I remembered having seen mm-hmm. it as a kid. And it struck me that it is incredibly similar to a scene from a movie by Woody Allen called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex But We're Afraid mm-hmm. to Ask, uh, which is I am not a Woody Allen fan on a number of levels. But that movie, actually, I loved it as a kid and I still have a soft spot for it. In that movie, which is a series of vignettes, um, there is uh, one segment or like one sort of uh, sketch in it that uh, basically it, it asks a bunch of, if you haven't seen it, it's, it asks a bunch of hypothetical questions about um, sexual proclivities or whatever and then, and then answers them or purports to answer them in, the, in these vignettes of these little movies. Um, so there's one called um, Are Transvestites Homosexuals? Now, keep in mind, this is a long time ago, so some of the terminology is a little... Uh, uh, past its sell by date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, in that segment, in that vignette, um, an actor named uh, what's his name, Lou Jacoby, Jacoby, Jacoby. Anyway, Lou Lou Jacoby um, is a middle aged guy named Sam who looks very much like like Michael Vale, the donut guy, and he uh, through the course of this little little story. Uh, discovers that he likes dressing up in women's clothes and then hilarity ensues when he kind of gets caught dressed up in women's clothes by his neighbors. Um, and I thought when I was watching this donut ad, it occurred to me like, God, that's so similar. Mm-hmm. Like, they, is, it, is it the same actor? And I went and I was like looking around and searching for it and they're not the same actor. And then I was on YouTube for the for the clip, you, for that mm-hmm. donut um, uh, commercial you just showed. And there is a uh, a YouTube commenter who goes by the handle Mooncalf2012, uh, who said actually Michael Vale was hired to be the donut guy because they couldn't get Lou Jacoby, but that's who they wanted. They wanted him because they had seen him in oh, everything you ever want to know about sex. And I was like, well, I don't know if I take YouTube as a yeah, because that's weird because he was in this whole character was not based around cross dressing. He was he had a whole bunch of commercials before that, right? But. Uh, I went and, and so I, but I did, I did go do a little more research and this is true. So this is from, this is actually from mental floss, 13 things you didn't know about the Dunkin' Donuts guy. Um, and it's that Vale wasn't the Dunkin' Donuts marketing team's first choice of the hundreds of actors who auditioned for the role of Fred, the baker Vale was not the marketing team's first choice. They were more interested in landing well-known actor comedian Lou Jacoby. Hmm. Um, but they said, this is uh, one of the ad execs talking, uh, as soon as Michael Vale walked into the bathroom in his pajamas and said, time to make the donuts, we knew. Huh. Interesting. So I think that they were, I think that it's possible and I, you know, who knows exactly the order of operations here. Either they always intended to do a cross-dressing ad with this, whoever they cast mm-hmm. in this role, or they were inspired by Jacoby's performance and decided to riff on it with their... And these mm-hmm. two actors are very similar. Could it be that it was also a potentially just a subconscious thing? I don't know. It's so... Like the white gloves, mm-hmm. the the hand in front of the mustache, mm-hmm. the voice, everything about the performance in the donut ad is like a riff that is directly taken from... The, the from the Woody, Woody Allen, Allen movie. movie, which came out first. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's, so uh, that's that really interesting. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking, I wonder if that's the same guy who did, because uh, this guy's like, time to make the donuts. And so I always confuse that in my head with, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. They're both like <laughs> two like kind of overweight guys yeah. in their pajamas, sitting on the edge of the bed, unhappy. Right. You know? uh, different guy, though. Uh, our next uh, piece of feedback is from listener Carol. Um, and she writes, I saw this ad on TV and it struck me as odd in several ways. Just the way they talk to each other is weird and off-putting. 
And then uh, he, meaning the husband, sneaks it onto her nightstand to steal it so she won't know. Um, it's a secret that he has constipation too. Oh, no. And so this, I love this because... I, Carol, you couldn't be more right. The way they talk to each other is the most off-putting, veiled. Like, there's just a lot of veiled hostility in this for mm. no reason. So go ahead and hit play on this ad for Senecott. Hi, babe. Hey, babe. Senecott. Hey, what's this? Senecott. It's a laxative. I get constipated sometimes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I like Senecott. Uses a natural vegetable laxative ingredient. That matters to me. And it usually works overnight. Senecott, because ingredients matter. Wait, so at the very end, are we seeing... The husband takes it out of her bedside drawer like... Like yoink! Hi, babe. Hold hey, on, babe. I'm, I'm sorry also, about the audio. The fact they call each other, again. "Hey, babe." Babe, hey, babe. Yeah, the babe thing is driving me crazy. Um, the way they talk. I want to go back and do a still shot here, so we know that it's his hand taking it out of her drawer at the end. That's definitely a man's hand. Yes, and it's definitely a woman's. Yeah, uh, they go out of their way to put a lot of like. Um, you know, makeup and stuff in her drawer there. Is that sexual lubricant in the drawer? It looks like it, but I, I think, think it is. There's some makeup brushes. Why would they put the lube Senecoot in there? Or Senecot. And then I think a... I think it's just like like hand sanitizer or something. The world will never know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless we write a letter to the, the makers. Yeah, that is a... Uh, that and What commercial... Would have the this might have happened before, but what commercial would have somebody purposely mispronounce the name so that the other person can correct it? It's so that they'll it's so that it will stick in It'll your stick head, in your head, right? Yeah. But the, to me, the the most uh, off putting part of that whole thing is when he holds it up and says like, "What is it?" And she turns around and looks at him, and it's like she braces herself to say in the most light hearted tone possible. I get constipated sometimes. And then his reaction is like, oh, (laughs) I I mean, that's some really, that's some, that's some interesting information. Like I, that's what, what? like that's a part of you that I, I mean, Hey babe, I never even thought about you in that light before. It's a laxative. I get constipated sometimes. Really? I guess I was exaggerating a little bit, but like the look at really like why would it be that surprising she, that a human being she gets carefully, constipated sometimes? She carefully avoids making eye contact with him when yeah. she says she's like futzing with some flowers. Yeah, goes, she's definitely. Well, I get constipated sometimes. Right. <laughs> Everything's fine. All right, what else we got? All right, one more piece of feedback. Um, this is uh, my favorite, so I saved it for last. Oh, I know what's coming here. This is from listener Levi. Uh, Levi writes, hey, so this is one of those things. I should probably do this in a British accent, but I won't. Hey, so this is one of those things that lots of radio and podcast people seem to do, and it usually bugs me for a moment, and then I forget about it. But it's coming up a bunch in Failure as an Option, our last episode. I feel I should let you guys know that you're mispronouncing short-lived. It is said with a short I, like I lived there, not I dived into the pool. Like the thing you're talking about lived a short time. That's not my understanding of it. Sorry to be that guy, but I figured you'd want to know sooner rather than later. Uh, thank you for your splendid show. Uh, I never much see actual ads in the wild. I don't even own a TV. Yeah. And he uh, italicized own, so I know I'm saying it right. Uh, but I always enjoy it even when I don't really know what you're talking about. He, him saying I don't even own a TV is a, dra- he's, is a joke. Yeah, he's not, he's not trying to be that guy. He's acknowledging you. Well, allow me to say to you, Levi... Well, actually, there are the short lived is the British pronunciation of that phrase, and short lived is the American English pronunciation of that phrase. And we fought a war over it. <laughs> Andrew, will you uh, click on this dictionary pronunciation here that I oh, is this included? Some, is this some audio? So oh, we want to play the UK. Okay, so whoa, what is this? This is from dictionary.cambridge.org, which so sounds... So you know it's for real. Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, highfalutin to me. So this is how to pronounce short-lived in British English. Short-lived. Short-lived. How to pronounce short-lived in American English. Short-lived. Short-lived. Well, then, 
Levi, please Levi. send all apologies. Actually, this one should probably be a public apology, I'm thinking. So you might want to go to the After These Messages Levi, I'm, group. Levi, I'm taking the piss, obviously, and I appreciate you thinking of us Look and at sending you using it in. A British I lived there for a year. I know the stuff. Taking the piss. Um, but my favorite thing in the world is for someone to try to correct me and then be wrong. So thank you. Uh, you're also assuming that Levi might be... Um, well, you did. He does say the word splendid in his mm-hmm, email, which right. suggests that he is a, Brit, uh, a British English speaker, hmm. in which case I can understand why it would sound wrong to his ear. Right, right. Uh, it's one of those things that I had to retrain myself as an adult. That's why it kind of yeah, stands out to me. me. It probably stands out to other people as well. There's some other words like that as well. Um uh, I can't think. Oh, champing at the bit instead of chomping at the mm-hmm. bit. That's another big one on TBTL. That I say it. And actually, it's become so ubiquitous right. that you hear chomping even on very, you know, sort of in, in places where I know there's been fact checking and editing and stuff. So mm-hmm. I almost think that sadly, chomping has now entered the uh, the lexicon officially. Right, right. But I, it is champing. I remember I, the whole Ayn Rand thing. I think it's pretty, like, people have corrected the record on that pretty vociferously at this point. But, yeah. like, uh, I can't m- remember if I had to write a paper on her or something. But I remember, like, I never knew her to say Ayn Rand or Ann Rand because no matter what I use, somebody was going to say yeah. that I, w- I was saying it incorrectly. Um, all right, let's get out of here. You can sell anything. We got that new fun group on the Facebook page. Just look for After These Messages on Facebook. You'll see one that has a bunch of people belonging to it. Uh, send us a request, and we will uh, let you into the kingdom. I did try to sunset the old messages. one. Yeah. It's a little confusing, and I'm not 100% sure they did, but there is no new content there. So. Yeah, so there's a couple of them floating around. You'll be able to tell which is the one that's actually active. Our email address is after these messages show at gmail.com. And the voicemail, Beeves? 607-444-5597. 607-444-5597. All right, it's 7.32 on Tuesday. Let's hope the Indians are still still winning the uh, game one of the World Series. We'll check that out. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy the games. You can't sell anything.